This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. I don't know if I've ever recorded like a late afternoon podcast before, but it's happening, and it's happening just a few days before NXT TakeOver Chicago, where um, there is a main event that will include Lars Sullivan, which um, I still can't get over because Lars Sullivan is actually bad. Um, Money in the Bank is Sunday. It's a good wrestling weekend. It's one of those where I get excited to have TakeOver shows on the night before and then we have a nine and a half hour slog coming on Sunday that you kind of at least get a get to prepare for and get your mind right to sit and watch professional wrestling for the entirety of the weekend but um on the line right now Daniel Matheson one of the best pro wrestling writers on the interwebs she's a writer at with spandex she's on the 205 live beat I found out today which um her reaction of the all was my reaction to finding out that she is watching 205 live every week and um writing about it so uh she's a trooper and she's also on this podcast danielle good afternoon how are you hi thank you thank you for having me and liking my writing this is happening thanks and we are finally able to make this work um i promised and i'm already kind of thinking about whether or not i should fulfill this promise of allowing you to just expand upon your 205 live thoughts this week i don't know if it's a ratings killer yet i'm not sure i mean well you initially joked that we would be podcasting for three hours, but like, if mm-hmm. you want me to say nice things about 205 Live and the people on it, I can go for that three hours. Like, it's fine. Is there, is there anyone on 205 Live you don't like right now? Um, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I try not to be, I try not to be super negative. Um, it's hard. With but I mean, yeah, it is. It's especially when, you know, it's what you get paid to do essentially but i mean you wouldn't say dorado really kind of sucks like it's not it's not it's not it's not great Mm -hmm. and i mean like the thing with 205 live is that you have to remember that a lot of these guys who were brought up from the indies didn't have as much training when it comes to learning how to wrestle a wwe style in a wwe Mm -hmm. ring so they you know, may be able to pull off a great match in a gym somewhere, mm-hmm. but when you want them to, you know, keep up to someone like Buddy Murphy, who we both love on 205 Live, so then, good. yeah, and then it just, like, it's a very clear indication of both where people were before they came to WWE and their, I guess, talent at wrestling on a wwe television show yeah um it's a lot better for them now that triple h is running things over there 
So you can obviously the difference between like the Enzo Mori Vince McMahon days versus now, and they don't have to have those weird um, out of place segments on Raw every week. I'm glad they finally took them off Raw because I think Raw is flowing better, and I think it was just you could tell the writers there was no continuity because the writers of Two of Five Live were obviously not working with the writers on Raw to make sure that this all made sense. I'm not even sure the writers on Raw work with each other. Like let's just oh my god, what? It really? I mean, it makes sense because they do, and I've I've said this for a while, where it's like the difference between wrestling 10 years ago and maybe even 15 years ago versus the way they put on a weekly episodic program now, especially on the USA Network, is they they book their shows for YouTube where they want to ensure that like um, there's like seven different like clips. People don't really interact with each other. Like Roman Reigns does his thing with gender and then he's gone for the night. Like you will never see certain people after their one bit um, for the YouTube page, the backstage segments, the interviews, that kind of stuff. And then you might get one or two promos. And then if you have a promo, you're gone after that. Like that's the last we see of you after um, some sort of match. But it's very rare to see um, a superstar just appear on like four or five different things and it all flowing. And um, it it does make sense though. If there were like writers specifically for, okay, you're going to handle the women's division segments. You're going to handle the Rousey segments. You're going to handle Braun Strowman segments. Like that, like that is um, definitely something I could see. And it's uh, maybe part of the reason that quality control is not uh, WWE's uh, (laughs) strong suit. It's okay. I'm not trying to get a job there at any point in time in my life. So I'm going to be real about that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's something. Um, but you watch this week two of five live is something I have not gotten to. Um, but it works because you have not seen Raw this week, and um, we can fill each other in on what's going on on both shows. But what happened on two of five live that stood out to you this week? Um, well, I mean, for the last three weeks, uh, like the show's been really good. Some of the matches have been nah. But there's enough great stuff happening that even if the match itself wasn't necessarily that great, because we've had three Lindsay Dorado instances <laughs> in a row, uh, the best thing about 205 Live is that, and I explained this in this week's uh, WWE 205 Not So, or 205 Not so Live uh, column on the spandex.com, I'll get that mm-hmm. plug in there, uh, is that. 205 Live is its own separate ecosystem. And when something happens to one person in one feud, it directly affects the trajectory or position or feelings of everyone else. So instead of just having, oh, these two guys are in the title hunt, but they don't interact whatsoever with these other guys, these other tag teams who are feuding or this guy who just broke up with one of the guys who's in the title hunt. Like there's no real separation. Like you were just saying, like on Raw, like you don't on Raw, you don't see superstars after that and they don't really affect one another. And when someone has a heel turn or suddenly they show up and they have no accent or everything is completely different or they do something wildly out of character when they're wrestling someone that three weeks ago, they we're best friends with like that doesn't happen when it comes to 205 live because every action has consequences and those consequences affect how every wrestler moves forward. 
So when you have all of these intertwined storylines, it makes for a much better and much more watchable long-term sequential narrative, whereas Raw just often feels like, here's a series of matches. Here's a series of matches that we're going to ask you to pay for on a a pay-per-view. Offender of that, where people will just disappear for weeks on end. Like we see Ty Dillinger like once every six months, like um, there, Jeff Hardy was just gone for two weeks or disappeared. Like some of it's for injury, but other times it's just this person's not here and you never know if they're going to be there. And it's, I don't think that's a good way to go about things. It's just like, you never know who's going to be in the show. There are certain people that should just be there. Like Andrade Cien Almas just wasn't there. And they didn't explain like why this rising star who, um, was basically attacking Sankara last week. Not basically, he did. And then, like, I don't really understand what they're doing with him, but it's not a good thing to have certain guys just appear. Like, it's one thing when Brock Lesnar just appears, like, four times a year, but it's another thing for certain guys that you want to become um, more consistent stars, people that, like, so there is, they become more recognizable figures. And mm-hmm. by just appearing sporadically and not being intertwined with the rest of the show is just not a good way of doing that and maybe that's why 205 live just feels like it's the best show on uh the network right now it's um, i mean it is <laughs> it, doesn't feel it like just it. needs it to is. move to the it, <laughs> it needs to move to full sale like they have to stop putting it on after uh smackdown like i cannot believe that is still a thing like i mean i'm okay with it because it gives them a chance to travel and they can appear on main event and they can kind of get maximum usage out of them by having them on the road. Uh, you know, like I think Gulak last week uh, wrestled Tozawa on main event. I want to say no one watches main event. It's fine. No one's going to fact check that. But, you know, there's if they need to suddenly pop them into a Raw or a SmackDown, like they have them at their disposal as opposed to having everyone in the same place at full sale. By the same token, there are a number of people on 205 Live who could definitely benefit from constantly being in the performance center. Like what about Hideo Tommy? What if he went to full sale and spent some oh, time down there? He, I mean, he already did. That was a good <laughs> He got sent up because he was at full sale literally too long. They're like, we've had you here too long and it's just not working out. We just have to send you somewhere. Yeah, but in context of what he's doing at 205 Live, it makes sense. And that's the thing. Feeding with like Akira Tozawa? Isn't that still happening? No. He's moved on from Akira. Yes. So he has moved on because he interfered with the match last week. Uh, So he's now in the title picture. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. So it's, yeah, so it's Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy and Hideo Tommy now, but like I said, now that Hideo Tommy has moved on from Tozawa because he, you know, struggled and struggled and struggled in NXT through his injuries to get the recognition and the position in the show that he deserves because he's more than talented enough he just, you know, has these uncontrollable setbacks and he's frustrated. So now you've got him paired up with Buddy Murphy, mm-hmm. who, you know, left NXT because he felt that he was bigger than the brand and he did all he could there. So now he thinks he should have that top position. And then you've got Mustafa Ali, who failed to get that belt from Cedric. And then 
now he's chasing after it. But then you have a Tommy who, you know, left Tozawa. Now Tozawa essentially doesn't really have a place. So he has to start at the bottom and wrestle these randos and prove that he is better than a Tommy thinks he is and that he deserves better so he can work his way back up to the mm-hmm. top. You know? So like I said, everything is intertwined and it's mm-hmm. great. Like this is really great. <laughs> you I can tell you're excited about it. You're really happy with it. No, I do. Like I used to when I would write about uh impact every week, uh that was two hours and I'm mm-hmm. averaging the same amount of words for a one hour WWE show, which is uh insane. Have you gotten back into Impact since it's like apparently Oh my god, up? no. Okay. No. What would they have to do to get you back involved in the Impact wrestling world? Oh, we. I mean, they're trying. They had Pentagon as champion. Aries is over there again. Um, I like yeah, Eli but I mean, Drake. they still. No, you are that one. <laughs> you don't the like one Eli Drake. Who does. I do not like Eli Drake. Okay. I think it's more of like I don't like the homogenization of a lot of um, professional wrestling these days where it's like, I like to see... So, wait, guys. you don't like you don't like homogenized things but you like Eli Drake? That's wild. Yes, because I think he's zagging. I think me. he's like a 2004 like guy that would be pushed to the moon in the company, but now he like stands out in a weird way where it's like he was just born in like the wrong era. I don't know. I, I think he is someone... It's kind of like EC3 a little bit with me where I think EC3 is better, but they have the same kind of look and feel yeah. like... You know, Sabatelli, like there are certain guys that I look at and I'm like, oh, you were just born in the wrong era. You came in at the wrong time. Yeah, and, man. Big Beast yeah. Boys. Yeah. But that used to but be I mean, the thing. Yeah. But I mean, now you have. And you like, can talk, though. At least Buddy you can Brody talk. Our Beast Boys. Uh, EC3 is obviously amazing. Uh, uh, and his muscles are insane. But I mean, you do. But it's nice because you do have those things in WWE now, and it's a really great contrast to the diversity yep. that they've actually embraced on WWE. So not everyone looks like a Mason Ryan, which is great. But when you have, when you still have those big beat boys, then it makes their matches against like the smaller guys really interesting. Like I covered this a lot uh, because uh, Mustafa Ali wrestled Tony Nice this week on 205 Live. Uh, so when you have something like that, it's it's an interesting contrast, especially when you have someone who's so like flopsy, like Ali, and you've got mm-hmm. someone who's capable of aerial maneuvers, but also who is just insanely strong. Like he's, and you know, he's shaped like a, like, you know, those mesh bags, like grocery bags that expand. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy, like they have the kind of body that looks like someone just stuffed one of those full of oranges. Like it's just <laughs> shaped everywhere. Murphy's interesting though, too, because he is someone that, I mean, he, I think he has my favorite finisher in uh, the WWE right now. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And it looks because some of these, it's just, I feel like everybody has a kick now, like nine people have the super kick and it's cool to see someone um, like Murphy stand out in a way where it's just he's an athletic freak and the different thing with him and uh niece is niece looks pretty short but big it looks like he's always overcompensating for his lack of size like the reason that he's not on the main roster is because he is like he looks for whatever reason to me like five six and i can't get Mm -hmm. it out of my head he just looks small and um, it's because he's so wide yeah isn't it it's just it's a weird look but it's something where you're like man if this dude was like five inches taller 
it would all work really well for him. But he's not. Um, yeah. And like if he was like a few inches shorter, all of those muscles would just give him like baby arms. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. definitely happens. Yeah. Uh, Do you think Cedric is working as champion? I like Cedric like mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but do you think he's working? Do you think like people care I do. about Cedric Alexander? Okay. I mean, honestly, I don't know because I don't generally tend to care about other people's opinions. <laughs> um, that's just, you know, I'm also kind of a bitch. I'm sorry. Uh, but I think if you are invested in 205 Live and watching him as a champion, it's really hard not to like him in the position that he's in because again it comes down to it doesn't seem like he's someone who's going to get multiple opportunities to do this like i mean there was his storyline was just like it's taken him a long long time to get to the top and he's just this super talented guy that's just this athletic freak and it finally paid off and now he's champion and he had one of the best matches of the year with buddy murphy um so that i saw and that was just fantastic it just kind of sucked that it was in front of a crowd that um just was tired and it was after yeah. the smackdown show and it just felt like the wrong place to do that but they tore the house down so that was cool but um well yeah absolutely and like the like when it comes to buddy murphy against cedric alexander like they're both coming from places of insecurity but mm-hmm. wildly different kinds so you know it took cedric so long to get there and took him so long to win the big one like it he went through a lot like personally and professionally when he was in the indies and then to come up and then finally get the recognition for just how good he is. There's always that fear that he's going to lose that at any moment Mm -hmm. because he's never had it before. So, I mean, he's desperately clinging to this and Buddy Murphy comes out of nowhere and he's so good and he's, you know, the physical, I don't want to say opposite because they're both pretty muscular guys, but you know, he has a completely different kind of look and style and attitude Mm -hmm. but i mean buddy murphy is also you know using a lot of bravado and overconfidence because you know he has his insecurities and what if you know he isn't he feels like he's entitled to that championship but also too if he didn't go anywhere in nxt there's that chance that he won't go anywhere on 205 live and won't go anywhere on the main roster you know like if he accomplished everything he could in a much much smaller pond going from a small pond to a small pond is one thing but i mean it still gives you that sense of can i actually make it to that bigger pond you know does that make sense yes do you think anyone's actually going to start um going in and out of that division or do you think once you're there you're locked in for the long term because we just saw that leo rush is moving on to 205 live (laughs) um yeah so, can I, I? This might be a take for you. I don't think mm-hmm. Leo Rush is on this roster in a year from now. I think him moving on from NXT this quickly is a bad sign for his career, and it's almost like they just wanted him out of there. And I'm pretty confident they don't have a plan for him on 205 Live. And I could just see him moving on. He's still super young, but I just feel like it's really yeah. Hard but to I mean, that's... these days in the company, they don't release anybody, but. I don't know. Is that crazy? No, that's no, that's totally fair. Cause like he is just crazy athletic and he has, you know, 
both all the talent and all of the potential, mm-hmm. but he is still very young. And when you don't necessarily, when you know you have that talent, but you don't necessarily take the criticism or advice on how to make it work, then it makes sense to get you shuffled around because like you That's said, part of being young. you feel he knows he's good. He, like he's someone who is super young, has already gotten to the big time. And he just rose up the ranks really quickly. We've seen this before, like the Johnny Manziel type where it's too much too soon and they kind of have to grow up a little bit and get a little bit older and then it'll be fine. But he's still super young, which is why I'm so impressed by Velveteen Dream. Like he is 22 years old and Mm -hmm. he looks 34 and he works like a 12 year vet. He's just, I think that's why everyone's just so. Because he listens. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for your ability to know that you are talented but to be humble enough to recognize that you need to be quiet and learn from the people around you and the people who are already doing the job that you just got and you want to keep. So like when you say that you think 205 would benefit by moving to full sale, it's that kind of opposite when it comes to Leo Rush, because by putting him on the 205 live roster, then he has that chance to travel and to be around people and to learn firsthand from people who are in a much greater, more experienced position like than Kendrick, he was like in NXT. They do have a lot of vets on that roster um, that can help him. And um, yeah, I think that's a good point. I didn't really thought about just putting him on the road just to work with other guys um, and get a feel and just kind of clear the air. But it is kind of crazy that he was like the next guy. We're going to, I feel like we're going to see this more and more where, um, certain guys just go to Twitter and it may have just completely destroyed like his tenure in the WWE, right? Like he just made one bad, stupid mistake. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like WWE at the end of the day is still business. Mm -hmm. Like if you have an employee who's just, you know, kind of an asshole and kind of doesn't really listen, even though, you know, he's good at his job and, you know, he's saying things that are potentially damaging to your brand and to your company, then you reshuffle, you move around. Like you don't keep that person in the same position in the same place. And you so, also see how much the company um, really likes you because Vince will back certain guys no matter what they say and do. Um, they're like, they will stand behind the guys that they really like. And if Leo Rush really did get blackballed for a while, and then obviously they're not like super concerned about keeping him on the roster and developing. Him well, yeah. Plus, I mean, at the end of the day, like, like you said, Randy Orton, ah, sometimes he's on SmackDown, sometimes he's not, but I mean, yeah. he's also been Just look at his, uh... <laughs> doing it for a million years. And if he wants to, you know, not be there, then he doesn't have to be there. Like he has earned that. Like if you do one thing to piss one person with a modicum of power, then they do not give a fuck. They right. we did not cover swearing. <laughs> okay no, you can not. swear. So it's sorry. fine. Okay. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of creative decisions that we can look at from a fan perspective and seeing the show as a whole week after week after week. And we don't know exactly like if we can't figure out why suddenly something's happening. Like there is one person who, you know, was really great and had an upward trajectory and you know, they did something to fuck up and they get bumped way the hell down to like the very last priority in a creative meeting. Like 
it happens. It's, it's just we... unfortunate that it was Leo Rush and not Lars Sullivan. Uh, I mean, are you a Lars fan? I honestly have like zero feelings. Okay. About him. That's fair. Like I really do. Like I, he is such a non-entity in just, my life. Key. Like that's just what he is, and he just—it feels weird that he's main eventing a NXT pay per view. It just we yeah, know but where I this mean, is going on the main roster. Like he's going to be a comedy act. Like he will be a comedy big guy jobber. Like that's where this is going. Yeah, but I mean, you need those guys. You do, but you don't also like present them as this like I, I don't know. I but just, I mean, also too, like I mean, people forget so often that while NXT has become such a juggernaut brand in and of itself, it's still the place where people are learning and training. Mm. So, I mean, if you have him in a title match, then maybe that's his shot to prove himself. Yeah. You know, Alistair wins in a squash. That's what I'm rooting for. Five minute squash. I mean, if he He doesn't win, it will be ridiculous, you know, but I mean, there are are things that happen. If Lars Sullivan wins (laughs) and is celebrating with the belt to close a show in Chicago. Uh, I don't I mean, think that that's going to be, be well received at all. I don't know. That's kind of amazing to me, but also I more often than not just kind of want to watch the world burn. Mm. Well, see, that's part of the reason that I think Ciampa <laughs> has to win, and we, we'll get into that in a second, but I think he can't lose back-to-back big pay-per-view matches against Gargano. Like, I think he has to win here, and that's what I would have go on last and see how the crowd reacts to Ciampa standing over Gargano because his reaction and his entrance with no music for the last takeover one of my favorite wrestling moments like the last five years mm-hmm. it's you get chills just seeing the crowd unanimously just boo and curse out this heel like champa is just fantastic and the match delivered and everything else but yeah i think he has to win right yeah i mean there's a there's a lot going on in the feud between those two and i have a lot of feelings that aren't necessarily much like other people's and I'm not completely enamored with all of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I think what's really interesting about that is how that and say Sami Zayn and Kevin Owen, these are two really, really good examples of what happens when WWE actually allows there to be self-referential storytelling. Now, you know, it's, it's been told to me by people who work in certain positions in WWE. I won't out them. Um, but, you know, when Sami Zayn and Kevin Owen fought for what they had, it didn't necessarily trigger that sea change that it should have of the people in charge of any of the creative teams being like, okay, people can pay attention week to week and they do care when we reference something that happened weeks ago, months ago, years ago when these guys didn't even work with us. Now Mm -hmm. you have something like Johnny Gargano and Ciampa. And I mean, again, Ciampa used to live with Johnny Gargano. Like these are two people who have worked together for years. They have an ongoing feud. They can reference what happened last week, last month years ago when neither of them worked for, you know, for the company. And it's one of the biggest things that people have committed to. So when you have something 
like it's it's very frustrating watching how much people attach themselves to that and how much people connect with it and how good it makes both performers because that gives them something you know it it makes them rise to the occasion and really pushes them to have those great matches and really be on top of their game and then you have everything else i guess <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it's just it's very frustrating when you can see that you know they can do it on Zero Five Live, they can do it on NXT, they can do it on Raw, but they don't. I'm noticing a trend here. Apply that to anything else on the roster to anyone else's relationships or interactions. You so know, it's probably it sounds like a Vince thing. I don't think. I mean, wouldn't you say that it seems like Triple H is more into that idea? Like he said this week in the conference call, like. He sees Pete Dunne as a future world champion. Vince McMahon does not see Pete Dunne as a future world champion. There is no fucking way he sees Pete Dunne as a champion. He's one of my top five favorite wrestlers right now. Like, I love Pete Dunne. Um, so I think it's interesting that NXT and 205 Live, like you talk about, have done this. And it also helps that the four guys that you mentioned are all extremely talented professional wrestlers. Like, it it, it helps to have Ciampa, Gargano, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn involved in these long-term feuds and i think that plays a part in why it was so successful and why people were invested is because people like good wrestlers and good talkers and all yeah but i mean look at are. sammy zane right now who gives oh, a God. fuck about what sammy zane is doing right now exactly so much. exactly um, like I, I, it's just it's not good i wish they would have gone further with the kevin and sammy stuff on raw because i do think like that first week where they had their own little the kevin and sammy show like they were really good and I think they still play off each other really well. And I think Heel Sammy works with the right person. And Bobby mm-hmm. Lashley is not the right person. And this is just bad material that I just feel bad that Sammy's having to do. And deal also, with. Bobby Lashley's still not. He's not great. Good. <laughs> like, let's. Like, honestly. So during WrestleMania week, uh, uh, it was a super crazy week. And I was, sure. you know. Yeah, in NOLA. And, you know, it was kind of that spend. 12 to 14 hours working in a building and then you know you go to bourbon street with a bunch of british wrestlers who drink so much more than most Americans do. you say british then, wrestlers were you hanging out with some of the yeah. uk division yeah oh like cool. a bunch of those people are my friends <laughs> but yeah so like i mean you go yeah because like i was doing was social media involved? for evolve that like uh no pete Dunne's a good boy interesting so he doesn't go um, out. He's like a really intense, like he's a laser focused guy. Uh, yeah, I think he's straight edge as well. So I mean, interesting. Okay. You know, and then you have Trent Seven, who's not <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but yeah. So like, essentially, I was getting like an hour or two of sleep a night, and I was there from Tuesday to Tuesday. Uh, so I mean, I was basically. Time. Yeah, so I mean, I was basically existing on a diet of Adderall and alcohol and protein cookies. Okay. So by the time Monday night rolled around and I was at Raw, or yeah, so by the time Bobby Lashley showed up, like I 100% thought that was just like a fever dream. (laughs) Because like it wasn't until like I was watching a couple weeks later and Bobby Lashley showed up and I was like, oh my God, that was real. Like that that's a real thing that happened that wasn't just my like drug addled sleep 
deprived concussion brain making something up. It's insane. But I mean, it's, it's one of the things where like, you know, WWE has a lot of people who worked on impact and, you know, they were able to come to WWE or, you know, make a few stops like AJ Styles, who actually got good in new Japan and not in impact. Uh, and, you know, they work out really well. And then you've got Bobby Lashley and it's like, oh, no, you didn't. Nope. Nope. Well, no change. For failure because they didn't like what they don't do a lot that I still just I don't understand is they don't do the hype packages anymore or remind fans who they were. Like Bobby Lashley has an extensive history in the WWE, but you haven't really seen or heard about that since he's returned. And they didn't Probably because it was also not good. I mean, it wasn't good, but he was like, still like a big much, deal for a long time. How much vintage Bobby Lashley do you really want to rehash? Oh, like, let's honestly. Go back to dis- December to dismember. Let's go back to those days. <laughs> let's go back to him being Vince McMahon's guy. And uh, yeah, let's go back to 2007. Let's go back and remember pl- Prime Lashley. Didn't he have a feud with like King Kennedy over the United States title at one point? Let's let's go all the way back. Let's bring up the glory days of Bobby Lashley. Did he have a hamburger thing? Oh, I remember what it was. He debuted against Simon Dean, and he was like a uh, he just like ate hamburgers or something, or somebody threw hamburgers at Bobby Lashley. I, I'm not misremembering that. It had to do with hamburgers and Lashley's debut. And also, why did he not just come back to his old theme? But maybe people would not even remembered or cared if he came up with that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's just there's like if you can't make a program with Sami Zayn work, then there's probably not a lot of hope for your forward momentum. Yeah. And it didn't help Braun either. Like he was poisoned to Braun's overness where those two were just randomly tagging together and it was just it was bad and it hurt Braun. And think Yeah, I mean realistic him. realistically there isn't a lot of place for Bobby Lashley in the current state of WWE. I mean, really isn't. Two five live. <laughs> I will cut you. <laughs> no, no. I had him on Impact. I did my time. Uh, he should probably go back to Impact. I could see him actually as like ROH World Champion next year. I, I could see it. Well, no, that would mean that ROH would actually give an opportunity to a black guy, and they don't like doing that. So lethal for a long time, right? Uh that's a this is a whole other conversation <laughs> it is, yeah um yeah. so <laughs> yeah not great um I th- let's so, talk more about nxt because i mean we've got takeover coming up and we've kind of touched on gargano yes. and champa and the main event i guess what are like since you're so excited for it like i want to ask you what you're most excited for that's funny that you say that because it's actually on my like notepad because I'm a professional journalist and I prepare for these <laughs> things. Um, that is one of my questions. But I am 100% here for Ricochet and um, Velveteen Dream. I know mm-hmm. it's a shocker to some people that uh, I'm excited for a professional wrestling match that features um, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet in 2018. Mm-hmm. But I, I am. I think it's going to be good. No, I don't know the person who isn't looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Which is kind of concerning because it's like everybody's hype for this is through the roof that I'm kind of wondering if it's actually there's some potential there for a slight letdown just because like uh, AJ Styles is Nakamura. Yeah. Every single match they have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can I can definitely see that. But I mean, they're also 
they've also got a lot better forces behind them and what kind of they have much more free reign in the kind of match that they can have yeah um there is something where so the street fight stuff is obviously there like i'm interested to see how nikki cross and Shayna baszler work because i think this is going to be one where Shayna baszler is awesome and way better than mm-hmm. I anticipated um and i thought that her match with ember moon was really good the last takeover so i'm interested to see how that goes it seems like Shayna is definitely going to go over no matter what but i am interested to see nikki cross finally get her singles title match on mm-hmm. a pay-per-view because i really like she's nikki amazing <laughs> and she's always been amazing like those are two people who like nikki cross was already super fantastic going into the performance center and Shayna Baszler had a lot of hype, but honestly, like, nah, like super great. They both took to training and performing at full sale, like amazingly. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're such instant success stories in like when it comes to WWE taking what you already have and teaching you how to make it work on that stage. So, I mean, I think, honestly, I think it's going to be really good because Nikki Cross is insane and Shayna Baszler can hurt you for real. Uh, So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of match it's going to be. But I think just the fact that that alone is interesting and is a hook speaks a lot to the work both women have done. Yeah, and I think they both um, improved a lot. And I think it's... Do you think it was the right move to keep her away from Sanity when they got to the main roster? Or do you think that's something that Sanity needed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Plus, again, I heard about Impact for years. Like, I did my time with Eric Young. I don't need... <laughs> He's fine. I don't, I don't need him, you know, yeah. messing up all of the time I want to spend paying attention to Nikki Cross. That's fair. Um but I'm excited for it. I don't also, think why are his cross... nipples the same color as his skin? Like, can we just talk about that for a second? Because I used to bring that up all the time. Wait, what? And it's the first thing and only thing that I can think of when I think of Eric Young. I... Yeah, have you not ever no. seen him without no. his shirt on? Yeah. It's just, they, they're this the exact same color of his skin, and it's weird. It's huh. weird, and it's off-putting, and once it's in your brain, it never leaves. I cannot... I cannot say that I've uh, noticed. No, that, you're going to Google him gonna and you're going to look, and then yeah, you will not be able to forget it. That's like he's going to show up, and you're going to be me? like, "Oh my god, your nipples!" I don't want to think about that with Eric Young. I want to enjoy Sanity's cool entrance theme. That's all I want to care about. Like, I think that's. I mean, all you can I enjoy the entrance theme, and yeah. then you know, also acknowledge that he has some really super weird nipples. I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Um, can I say that I do not give any shits about the undisputed era taking on Oni Lorcan and uh, Danny Birch? I mean, you can. Okay. I just don't <laughs> care. Like, I, I love undisputed era, but like Adam Cole not being on this card feels weird and EC3 not being on this card feels weird. It's kind of a, I think that's part of the reason I'm more annoyed about the Lars Sullivan stuff is it just feels like, um, it's just kind of a weak card. Um, it just feels like there's so much talent now to have certain guys just not be on the card. 
um, for these kind of shows is just kind of disappointing. I understand you can't get everybody on these things because the roster is stacked and there's only five matches. But um, I don't know. I would have rather seen TM61, but they're heels now or the Street Profits or somebody else. I just, I, I don't, it's going to be really hard to make fans care about Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch as a tag team. I don't know. See, I I feel the opposite. Really? Uh, okay. Whereas, honest to God, you could not pay me enough to watch Roderick Strong <laughs> wrestle yeah. at any period in his career. I love uh, Roderick Strong. So I, I, but that I think is, Kyle O'Reilly again, is you so have, much better. You have the wildest opinions. That's great. <laughs> That's why we're on but the no, podcast. But, we're figuring all this out. We're getting a feel for each other's pro wrestling taste. Yeah, because see, I love Oni Lorcan. Okay. Like a lot. Like I have loved him as this music for so, so long. Uh, even when he was, you know, Francis in the wrestling's are uh, back during the break Shakara took, like he is so, so smart when it comes to professional wrestling. And he is so talented and so strong and so good. And like, I don't, like, I've never really gotten the hype with Danny Birch slash Martin Stone, but, like, this thing happened when, because I was laid off from Uproxx for a period of time, and I was like, oh my god, okay, so I don't actually have to watch the wrestling that I don't want to watch, so then I took a big break from Raw and SmackDown and most of NXT, because it's like, okay, if I, you know, I'm not getting paid, I don't see why I should be putting the time and energy into well no but that's the thing i would watch nxt because i wanted to see it's really hard not to call him this uh it's because i wanted to see oni lorkin you know because there are certain people that you know i just can't pass up that opportunity to see especially when you know like he's been there for so long and even though he has a much more increased role in the back than you know most people and you know they really do love him there which is great it makes me happy because he does all of the nice things in the world uh like you know he wasn't he didn't get the opportunity to really be on tv where i could watch him wrestle again when i used to watch him wrestle you know in person or you know on the internet like i don't know like once a week you know so I am invested in that match, if only because I'm really excited for him to be on a takeover pay-per-view. Like, I'm really proud of, you know, him getting there and excelling with everything that they've given him. Again, that said, Undisputed Era could not give two fucks. Adam Cole is great, though. Like, I I don't care. Like, I can't care. No, I have never been able to care about Adam Cole or Roderick Strong. Kyle O'Reilly, yes. Kyler Riley, I think, is the best wrestler by far of the three. Oh, for years. He's been yeah. so intensely underrated. And then they started doing that, like, MMA, we wear mouth his... guards. Yeah, but, I mean, are you not even a fan of him treating the NXT tag team titles as a guitar? That's just Tanahashi. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I want to no, watch someone play air guitar, I'm going to watch the person who's best at it. <laughs> okay. You wow. Know? A lot of hate from the Undisputed Era. Um interesting is there anything else i think we've uh, I, I don't know i think that's enough from takeover 
it'll be a good show. They always are, but I think this will not be a memorable takeover, to say the least. But because I don't think we're going to get really any title changes on this show. So um, outside of Ricochet and Velveteen Dream, not a lot of um, movement on that front. Um, are you surprised that, um, or can you believe that we're getting Jinder Mahal versus Roman Reigns on a? <gasps> can you believe? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is happening. I mean, yes. I hope it goes on last. Uh, I think it's kind of going to be somewhere around the middle. Mm-hmm. But wait, has I Roman mean, Reigns not... had a middle of the card match in like the last three years? When does that ever happen for him? Mm-hmm. That's not. But I mean, how they treat Roman he. Reigns. But that's fine. Like you can't do that forever. I think that's actually what is. No one is responding. Yeah, no, I think that's happening. Because, but I mean, that's the thing. He is the guy. He is the next guy. He's the next workhorse that they're going to pin everything on. Whether they, Mm. whether you know, the more vocal fans like it or not. But also too, like a lot of people complain about like say Roman Reigns, especially, or John Cena, like WWE is, you know, this publicly traded company. They broadcast in so many countries around the world. They have millions and millions of fans. Like not every single thing is for us, you know? So while we watch the show as a whole, Roman Reigns is for us. I mean, do you know anyone? Of course, in your Roman Reigns. Life? Roman okay. Reigns would not move that many T-shirts or have as many followers on Twitter as he does, or be in this position if there wasn't a sizable amount of people who are willing to specifically pay money to WWE in his name. I don't know. Because just... again, at the end of the day, it's a business. So yeah, yeah you want every wrestling match to be a great wrestling match but also too you have all of these other things to take into consideration like t-shirt sales Is you know or how many more? like you know little fake gauntlets and vests are going to be sold to little kids like love roman reigns there's so much that is Do for they? little kids that is not for us absolutely okay oh my god tiny little roman reigns fans are adorable and i am 100 percent okay with roman reigns just existing mm-hmm. because he makes them so happy and like he's i don't know like i'm okay with the idea of roman reigns i think it's just more of like he's miscast as the number one guy when he's like a number three and number four in a company like, well i, I mean think- it's not it's not necessarily that he's miscast it's that the character he's as a it's person, a bad character yeah as a person he's like charming and personable and he's this like you know unearthly handsome prince and then you put him in this role where he has to be like tater tots fuck you whatever and it's like that's not it just it sucks the life completely out of him when it's that charm and charisma that they really should be highlighting oh no he absolutely does he just does not have it when he's being fed lines written by middle-aged white dudes. That doesn't help either, but um, I don't know. Like no. the, <laughs> I mean... the worst example of this is Naomi's lines every single week. Like I highly encourage, I wish there was someone out there who could just like make a constant note of all the lines that Naomi has given and then the way she delivers them. It's just, 
she is. And I wish there were more women and black people on the creative team, but here we are. It's not. Wishes were horses, something, something, something. Okay, so I'm not alone there where it's like everything Naomi like says in the main roster. You're just like, oh no. It's, it feels so. Well, I mean, honestly, that's most women. (laughs) Yeah. In WWE, like, I don't. Okay, so Rousey had a good promo this week, though. They have, like, when it comes to like the order in which creative tackles things, like they are an afterthought. Absolutely, like they get thought about last, they get written about last, and they're written about from the perspective of whatever these dudes have in their head as how women should be behaving. Like, I don't know the women that they know. Mm-hmm. But it's like they've been kind of vaguely told what a woman is, or like they have just watched all of their own things, and they so only have a specific idea of like, oh, understand women. Girls that what were you're super catty and jealous mm-hmm. and superficial when I was in high school, and those are my most formative experiences with women. And I don't have a lot of, you know, relationships with strong, independent women in my life. So that's what I have to base it on because I have nothing else to inform my opinions. Like that's, that's who is writing these supposedly empowered revolutionary female characters. Mm. Yeah, it's not great. And I also don't like the, especially the SmackDown trope where they want to get every woman on the show. So they just throw them in these hodgepodge battle Royals or 10 person tag team match it it just doesn't flow it feels like what you're saying where it's like there's no there's there's just not a lot of serious thought thrown into this and no absolutely we have to get not. them on the show and it just it doesn't work and i i don't like when the company does that's why i hate the andre the giant battle royal where it's like everybody does not need to be on every show and it's better to just put together good feuds smart feuds long-term booking that kind of thing that is a way that that's just a better strategy than what they do and this week on smackdown you saw that where they just kept adding to this lineup but i will say um i did like the visual of the outsiders versus like the the insiders um Mm -hmm. i thought that was cool like i thought the iconics who i'm not sure are actually good i think them doing the same thing every week they are wonderful are they are we sure we do not bad mouth the iconics in this house are we sure oh yeah we're sure okay don't worry for sure. Right. I'm just asking the question. I don't know for certain yet. I'm I I like them in NXT, but I will say these uh these promos are starting to uh drag a little bit and it's um I don't know. Like you said it might just go back to the material that they're given, but it uh I am a little concerned about them. But um Sony Deville and Mandy Rose, who I like a lot and I like that they finally split mm-hmm. off the page and everything else, I think they're fantastic and I think it was cool to see them on the outside looking in at Becky Lynch, Naomi, Lana, and Charlotte because those four specifically are involved in long-term feuds. Like you're already seeing them lay the groundwork for Becky versus Charlotte and we know that's going to mm-hmm. go on for months and then you have uh, Naomi and yeah, Lana. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean those, see, I don't like that. <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, if you're setting up something with Charlotte and Becky Lynch, that has happened over and over and over. Like, they've been a thing. They have that existing relationship that spans years that does not reference itself. The company loves doing this. Like, I mean, they did it with Bailey and Sasha, and that feud still hasn't ended, even though, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Bailey the dumbest? Dog shit. 
WWE <laughs> character in like the last 10 years? Again, it's who do these white dudes know to inform their opinions? Right. They know children. She ran. <laughs> they hung out with girls ran. when they were children. And last week, she ran into a match and a tag team match thinking she could just jump in. A wrestler who's been around a long time now did not understand a basic rule of professional wrestling. And then this week got just destroyed. And I, I just. No, I still trust Sasha at this point, even though they had this big brawl and everything else. It's just, I, Bailey is a, um, I think she's an no, unbelievable they worker, her but so it's so hard. Bad. Yeah, it's not great. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, you're talking about how, you know, you've got the outsiders looking in, but to me, to it go. seems like Becky and Charlotte understand where they're coming from like regardless of where they are now like becky should be the one who's empathetic to that because she was there she was always you know when it comes to the four horsewomen she was always fourth she knows what it's like to come up through nxt and to have these great matches and to be passed over for other people right and then to come to the main roster and not immediately be put in a position like sasha or charlotte you know so to me, that makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. But again, you would have to not have the memory of a goldfish <laughs> to understand how their dynamics should actually work. Because A, when you aren't self-referential, and B, you don't have any idea what actual female relationships are like, then you're not going to get anything that's cohesive or even watchable or likable. <laughs> you know, let alone something that's logical. Do you think this is why it's just geared towards children is they're booking this for children who will forget these things and don't care about this kind of continuity and um depth to all these characters or is that giving them too much of a benefit out there no because even children know that you know if two ninja turtles are fighting on one show and the next show they're best friends and then the next show they're fighting and no one knows why that doesn't make any sense yeah Right? Um, is there anything else yeah. on this Money in the Bank pay-per-view? Because I feel like we went down the... Um, cause oh, yeah, there's a <laughs> bunch of stuff. About, it doesn't uh, mean it's good or exciting or anyone's looking forward to it, but there's definitely let's make our picks. a bunch of stuff on this card. Okay, who do you think is the... How do you think... I, I think the Raw... I mean, uh, I think the women's tag team... I mean, women's Money in the Bank match, I think, is set. Like, it's going to be Natalia. She's going to win, and then she's going to cash in on her best friend ronda rousey after she wins but i will say nia Jax tapping out on raw this week um it wasn't a sanctioned match but ronda rousey getting the upper hand was kind of surprising i think because um it does seem like a foregone conclusion that rousey wins and uh rousey losing this match would be one of the biggest upsets i think this year and uh nia Jax, when you talk about people that uh, this company has dropped the ball with nia Jax might be one of the biggest where she was just the biggest baby face on raw in the women's division and built up as this like um underdog like this sympathetic figure that fans got behind because of the way alexa bliss was treating her and all that kind of stuff even though they missed the boat there because uh she dropped alexa bliss in like october and then was right back to being her like bodyguard and friend a couple weeks later um, well yeah and i mean you can't you can't set someone up to be a monster and also have them be this weak emotional crybaby yeah her whining was not great i didn't like the weekly 
Nia Jax's screaming stuff that they were doing leading up to WrestleMania. That I didn't think that was a great look, but um, but I mean that's exactly how women act. So right. who's surprised, right? Right. And then she's a heel now, and she's um, basically like been thrown into this thing with Ronda Rousey, where you you know that was not their plan. Like that's just one of those where it's just like. They wanted to take the belt off Alexa at some point, and they just put it on Nia, but they knew that they, they could not separate Rousey from this title picture for too long, and they're not going to mm-hmm. position Rousey as the heel here. So Nia Jax is the, um, the fall woman here, where she just has to kind of go back mm-hmm. to the, the background. It's, it's just, it sucks, because Nia yeah. Jax is this, like, beautiful person, physically you know, her personality, like, again, she has all of this natural charisma. She has the pedigree. But, I mean, look at what she's being asked to do. Are you really going to be able to connect with a character who cries because someone with an eating disorder called her fat? What? (laughs) Like, no, it's not, like, it's nothing that actually plays to her strength. So I think she could be an amazing heel. If yeah. they built her up properly. Well, I think Alexa Bliss is like the only example of that where she understands the character. I wonder how much creative freedom she has because you can tell they really trust her on the mic to say whatever. And I kind of wonder if Alexa Bliss has kind of branched out and just gets to say more of what she wants to say versus other uh, women's wrestlers. Is that fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I mean, it's, yeah. like the, it's like the CM Punk thing mm-hmm. where everyone got these huge boners for CM Punk's promos. And like the mic drop and whatever. And then there was such a clear difference between him being given loose guidelines and being able to speak for himself to him repeating what someone wrote for him and they think it's funny. You know, like why, why was he excited to wear Triple H's jacket that one time? Will I ever let that go? No, because it was stupid. Do I even care about CM Punk? No, never have. Oh, no. But I do care about continuity. I do care about continuity, and I like when things make sense. So, again, it should be no surprise that 205 Live is the thing that I love, because it makes sense. Not a CM Punk fan. I'm not going to let you gloss over that. That hurt me to my core. I am, I mean, CM Punk is It hurts. It hurts me to my core that you don't care about Oni Lorcan, but, you know, we all like different things. Some things are for you. Some things are for me. Yeah. That's for me. No, maybe not that match or his tag partner, but you know, <laughs> like that's for me. Right. Gargano and Ciampa aren't. And you know, that's fine. It is what it is. Like, I don't have to 100% enjoy everything that's happening because 100% of the show is not for me. Yeah. Like, if it sucks, then yeah, I'm going to say it sucks, but I'm also going to give you a constructive reason as to why it sucks. Yeah. Except for Roderick Strong. <laughs> you know like there are there are exceptions to that rule because you know we are burning like, so like many TJP. bridges in this podcast <laughs> like tjp like just fuck off already like that is that guy from his twitter account or from the, the character off. that we see on that is television. everything okay that is that is absolutely everything that is his time in impact his time on the indies that is spending hours trapped in the car with him you know like it's a lot of things but yeah no fuck that guy oh wow so tjp will not be appearing on this podcast anytime soon i don't think 
Uh, You're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so who are your picks, though, uh, for the women's Money in the Bank winner and uh, the men's? Because I think it's Natalia. I think it's choreographed that that's where they're going. And then I'm well, yeah, I mean, that's, one, that's right? the only way that's the only way that what Natalia has been doing actually makes any sense. Do you remember when she so, went over to Raw and was suddenly a babyface again, even though she spent the last year as a heel on SmackDown? And we were just supposed to forget everything that happened on mm-hmm. SmackDown and her attacks on Naomi and everything else? Okay, cool. Yeah, it just... It, Natalia has not been given the best role to work with. Who do you think uh, turned more in the last 15 years? Natalia or Big Show? I think, honestly, that question is kind of moot because mm. when Natalia does it, does anyone actually notice or care or pay attention? I notice. <laughs> when Big Show does it, it's in a big way, literally, because he's a giant. Mm-hmm. You know, Kane? but like, he also sorry? Falls in that, Kane, I think he also falls in that trap. But um, Yeah, but again, good. he, like, I mean, their motivations are clear. It's not just, I switched friends now and the writers don't watch of this show, don't watch the other show. So now I'm a face. That definitely you happens, know? right? I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, guess you know, who like, was not watching the to, show for the last to not months? like be one of those people who just only drags creative. Yeah. Um, because again, we don't work there. There are a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that we don't know or we know right. and can't necessarily talk about. But I mean, they are. Like, I mean, this used to happen with impact. Like, they are only given so much time and so much to work with. And they, you know, don't have, you know, they have a a fairly steady turnover rate when it comes to people who aren't, like, the main guys. Uh, And I say guys because there was one woman once (laughs) in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, there are a lot of factors that go into like a week's worth of shows that can make it completely chaotic, but I really don't see why we should still give them the benefit of the doubt for not remembering what they wrote last week. That's, that's more than fair. Um, so who is your men's money in the bank winner? Um, I want to say Biggie. Uh, I want to believe in it being Biggie. That's what I want. I, I would, I would love, I would love if it was Kofi, honestly, because I think, well, it won't be, (laughs) that's that's fine, Uh, but I mean, you know, he wasn't ever really given that chance to shine. I'll always remember his feud with Randy Orton, like a decade ago. Exactly. And then, do you remember everything he did in between? Like what um, really, Air really Boom? stood out to you? Air Boom was awesome. You remember it because it was Air Boom and it sounded like a fart? Nope. Or... I remember the entrance <laughs> was cool and I just remember their matches. I thought they were good. I thought it was an interesting tag team. I, th- I remember them. I remember being very excited because do you remember when they did that photo shoot where it was like Daniel Bryan was champion, CM Punk, Zack Ryder. Um, it was just everybody that fans <laughs> oh have God, been dying. Zack Ryder. Yeah, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. It was just the most Beth Phoenix. It was just like the one of my favorite wrestling photos where it's just like oh everything is right in the universe for a brief amount of time and i think Ryder like dropped the title like right after that but um yeah that's that's what i remember i think it was actually good right sure okay 
yeah but i mean it hasn't been great <laughs> but the new day is awesome and um yeah, yeah I, and like, I do the, have the thing is like when when the other two guys talk about kofi like they speak about him with such respect and such reverence and there's there's a loss interview that i did with the new day at the 2k press release party i want to say last year are and they as delightful the... as they seem oh my god yeah they're amazing okay good uh and just the way that they were speaking about how you know kofi was such an inspiration to them not just as professional wrestlers but as just as black wrestling fans like when you hear them put things into that context and you see how much people around Kofi Kingston love Kofi Kingston outside of the new day. Like, and then you look at, you know, cause the things that he's been given in the past, you just, I don't know. I really want it for him, but uh, you know, uh, I'm just will it happen? I just feel like it's Biggie's time. This feels like <sighs> I love Kofi. But I do feel like if I just want somebody in the new day to get a world title shot, I, I just I want to see that they're still great. And I feel like they should be rewarded for being awesome for several years. Now, another team who started off with a terrible gimmick and when they were first introduced on TV um, did not go well and they made something out of nothing. And it's it's great. Mm-hmm. That's because but, uh, they're smart. Yeah, like, they're so smart. Like when. Like I was talking to woods once and uh and i was like oh you know i don't you know as much as i love you i don't actually have any new day t-shirts because they are so bright and garish but that but he explained to me that that everything they do is you know purposeful so when fans buy those t-shirts that are such bright colors and everything is rainbows and unicorns and flashing lights and their gear is so sparkly like when you look out into the audience you can immediately spot everyone who's wearing a new day shirt yeah so that visual not so only the John Cena, speaks the, to fans, the John Cena but it aesthetic. speaks to people who are watching in the back going, oh, wow, I notice a lot of New Day shirts. So even if they don't necessarily like spend all of their time looking at T-shirt sales, mm-hmm. they know that people are there in person. They've spent money on New Day shirts. They are clearly fans and they have given that company money because of those people. Yeah. You know, so I think like, honestly, as I want them all to have their individual glory, but I think, I don't know. I think they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. I just want a world title run with one of them. That's all I want. Just to see it, see how it works. And I don't want yeah, them to I break mean, up. It would be cool. It'll get there. I will get there. But right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I don't think I mean, them are ever getting knowing, a world title run, but knowing yeah. how smart they are and knowing how hard they work. <sighs> Doesn't Michael yeah, Hayes still they will have get there. a, Big role on SmackDown. I don't know. We'll see. They'll get there. Yeah. It's, it's um, fun. <laughs> Samoa Joe or Miz? I feel like that's who's ultimately going to win. Um, but can I rant on the Miz real quick and then we'll go? Of course. Okay. I love the Miz. I mm-hmm. appreciate guys like him who he's, he's self-aware now to an extent that's just refreshing where he will... I just like how real he is about, look, I was this guy when I came in. It sucked. I learned from it. I got better. Um, he, I mean, he main evented a WrestleMania with, that featured John Cena and The Rock. Like, and he felt out of place. And I don't think he would just say, hey, I'm on their level. It was one of those things where he got a lot really quickly. And then, you know, 
he kind of bounced around a little bit and he kind of just was on the outskirts with the mid card scene for years and he's just gotten better. His looks gotten better. He's gotten better in the ring. And we obviously, okay. Remember. You cannot say his looks gotten better when all of a sudden he's Naruto. No, no, no. I'm saying not look. I mean, like, physically. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I'm going to get to that part, too. And you say Naruto. What I see is the 1995 Power Rangers movie where they go, they lose their powers and they go back to that um, different planet to get the ninja powers. And they have the same headband and exact look that the Miz is wearing. It's a terrible idea because that is something the Miz would have done a long time ago. This is a character that has been around a long time and part of what made him so great on raw this past year was brock lesnar was away and he was basically the main champion for a year on the main show and he was to be taken seriously he had his henchmen and all that kind of stuff but the miz was a serious character that took himself too seriously and it was good and he was great and he put on great matches and you knew you were going to get something great out of the miz every single week that said since moving to smackdown the comedy has been turned up a notch he has been the butt of all the New Day jokes. He hasn't really gotten his comeuppance. He hasn't destroyed them or anything. It's part of the appeal of the New Day is they are funny, but I wrote about this in my SmackDown recap this week where it's like the thing about comedy is someone's always on the receiving end of a joke. And it's just the Miz is on the receiving end every week. And he is about to enter <laughs> the biggest like feud of the year. Like him and Daniel Bryan, like people are going to go nuts for that. Like that is what we're waiting for. When he got moved to SmackDown, that's where everybody was turning. Was like, I can't wait for this serious, intense feud between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. And he's played off it a little bit. He's kind of danced around it, but we haven't seen them really interact. They're waiting on it. Like I feel like that's going to be the SummerSlam thing, but this is not the way to build to that. Is just Daniel Bryan having a really bad feud with Big Cass and then The Miz just losing he was freaking out about a contract this week on smackdown that was not in the brief like what did he think that if he pulled this briefcase from the top that he was the money in the bank champion like why was he screaming about there not being a contract and only pancakes is he that dumb of a character now that he doesn't understand the difference between a prop and the actual match itself containing the contract like stuff like that well, that's the thing. It's- it was just stupid no, I, I agree. There is a... Okay, so I love comedy wrestling more than I love a lot of things in this entire world. It is so difficult. When you have someone like The Miz, who, again, all the charisma in the world, like, talking to him in person one-on-one, love him. If I could only interview him in person, I would be fine with that. He's great. But I refuse to believe that the same guy who was tearing Daniel Bryan to shreds on, you know, after SmackDown uh, is the same guy who thinks that there's a contract in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Like when, like he is funny yep. and he is a good actor, but again, it's delivering lines that other people think are funny. Ms. It's doing things that other people think are funny. Yeah. So, but I will say, like, I love how pressing this makes the New Day seem for <laughs> thinking that the Miz is going to, like, interfere with the match and they better fill one of those briefcases with pancakes because that's definitely where this is going. Like, I, I enjoy that level yeah. to it, but 
no, it's stupid. And it's, it's a waste of the Miz. Like, yeah, you know, okay, I've, so I've we're on been, the same page there. Well, no, I've been a Miz apologist for years. And I think what he did in his feud with the rock, like I have said this before and I will say it again, like the mock is one of the absolute best moments of his career when he's doing stuff like that. It's perfect. It's great. That's where he really shines. Mm-hmm. He does have the ability to be funny, but again, it's, he doesn't really have the ability to make whoever is writing for him idea of funny be funny. Yeah. He even made people care about a Dolph Ziggler feud in 2017. Yeah. And I have never cared about a Dolph Ziggler yeah. feud. Exactly. So. But he made you care like the whole, the, I mean the, uh, he'll quit and all that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was great. Um, the Miz is fantastic. And I just, I'm glad we're on the same page here. That's a good way of wrapping up on a positive note that we both love the Miz and that you should. There too. You go. Yeah. It's great. Um, Danielle, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Prograps lady. We can read you at with spandex.com where you can read uh danielle's fantastic 205 live recap this week along with a bunch of other great pro wrestling material danielle we'll have to do this again soon yeah absolutely thank you okay thanks for having me sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.